raising money, whether it be for startups, whether it be for real estate, is not easy, especially when you're getting your start, especially when you're not an established name in the, in the game. Best ever listeners, I want to mention Lima One Capital, and I found out about them through a guest that I was interviewing on the show, and he mentioned how he was scaling his business. He was actually buying 10 single-family homes within one year. And I asked him, how were you able to buy 10 single-family homes and how were you financing that? He's like, oh, well, I just use an asset-based lender. I was like, who is that? And he told me it's Lima One Capital. I reached out to them afterwards, got to know them, and they are the sponsor of today's episode because they've got some unique lending programs. Uh, One of them is called Rental 30, where, as I mentioned, they're an asset-based lender. So they're lending based on the property's appraised value, as well as they look at the down payment that you're bringing to the table and the cash reserves. Uh, they'll lend up to 75% loan to value. And this is huge. This is huge because typically as a single family investor, uh, your lending a strength is based on your personal income as well as how many properties you have, how many loans you have out. There's no restrictions on portfolio size with their Rental 30 program. Go to lima1capital.com forward slash best ever. Sign up, learn more about their program. That's lima1capital.com forward slash best ever. They also have a program for fix and flippers. Even if you haven't done a fix and flip, they'll still lend to you. They've been in the business uh, since 2010. So they've been around the block. They know their underwriting guidelines. They're not loosey-goosey, but they do have a very specific uh, criteria um, that helps beginning fix and flippers get their fix and flip projects done as well as experienced fix and flippers they reward you as an experienced fix and flipper and you actually get a lower interest rate and lower origination fee again go to lima1capital.com forward slash best ever and some legal stuff i have to say it is lima one capital llc and the NMLS ID number is 1324403. And their address is 201 East McBee Avenue, Suite 300, Greenville, South Carolina, 29601. Again, lima1capital.com forward slash best ever. If you're looking for a fix and flip loan or if you're looking for a buy and hold investment property, and you're trying to finance it and you want it to be asset-based, lima1capital.com forward slash best ever. Best ever listeners, hello, hello. How's it going? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. And well, I hope you're having a wonderful best ever weekend. And because it's Saturday, of course, we got to do Situation Saturday. With us today, we've got a previous best ever guest, episode 121 specifically. It's titled one of my favorite, t- <laughs> one of my favorite titles. When I looked this title up uh, to put the link in the show notes. I just start cracking up. I titled it "Crowdfunding Tips from a Crowdfunding Wizard." <laughs> episode 121. How you doing, Nav Athwal? Hey, Joe. Great to be back. Um, definitely uh, looking back at that title makes me giggle a little bit too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I love it. Um, a little bit about Nav, and then we're gonna get right into Situation Saturday, where Nav's gonna talk about a sticky situation he's been in, 
And not only he's not going to leave you hanging, though, he's going to tell you how he overcame it, the challenges he overcame and uh, where he's at right now. A little bit about Nav and then he'll get into it. He's the co-founder and CEO of Realty Shares, which is a an online marketplace for accredited investors to securely invest as little as five thousand into private real estate investment properties. He's a guest lecturer uh, at UC Berkeley Law. He is a uh, former electrical engineer turned attorney turned real estate entrepreneur based in San Fran, California. And you can say hi to him and the rest of his crew at RealtyShares.com. All right, Nav, here we go. You want to give the best ever listeners you know, a little bit about your background and then go right into your sticky situation? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Joe. So uh, as Joe mentioned, you know, come from a background of both engineering and law. I graduated uh, uh, from undergrad and, and started working as an engineer. Uh, but um, shortly after that, uh, got my real estate broker's license. Always had an affinity for real estate and just been interested by it. Um, and so started selling commercial and residential properties in and around the Bay Area. Uh, and then decided to go to law school where I graduated in 2010 and started working as a real estate attorney in San Francisco. Uh, on, and I re- mostly represent large institutional clients on uh, getting permits as well as purchase and sales, leasing, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, did that for about three and a half years before starting Realty Shares. And, uh, you know, the, uh, uniquely enough, the situation I'm going to talk about today is kind of what gave the idea for Realty Shares in the first place. So I'll tie that all, tie that all together at the end, but I've uh, been doing that, doing Realty Shares now for um, about two years, and uh, we've raised about $30 million of venture capital money. And, uh, have a team of about 33 people here in downtown San Francisco. So very excited about business and uh, where it's headed. But uh, the situation I'm going to talk about today, um, I'm sure it's not unique to me, is about uh, raising money. So, you know, as an entrepreneur running a startup, I'm constantly thinking about raising money because money is the one resource you can't run out of. Uh, Otherwise, the business goes away. Um, So, you know, thinking about when to raise that next round of financing, what terms we want, how much runway we want. That's something I'm constantly thinking about. Before, but, but before I started the company, I was a real, very active real estate investor. And I still invest, um, but most of my time now goes into the company. And so um, as a real estate investor, as someone looking for deal flow, uh, you know, one aspect of job is finding the right deal and getting into contract uh, on the right deal and making sure you can get uh, the purchase price. That's something that makes sense for the deal. But then there's this other element to actually acquiring real estate, which is how do we capitalize the deal? There's a debt piece, there's the equity piece. How are you really going to pay for this deal? So back in 2010, when I uh, first graduated from law school, you know, I started buying real estate in the mid 2000s. But in 2010 is when I started getting really active because it was such a great off, uh, time in the market. Right, we just come out of a, a large uh, recession. Uh, property values were well below replacement costs. There was a lot of opportunity to earn. A good returns if you can find the right property and, and capitalize it. So I, I was buying mostly single-family homes and multifamily projects and had raised some friends and family capital uh, early, which was a very inefficient process, but, you know, tapped out of that pretty quickly, but the opportunities were still pretty abundant. So I remember specifically uh, I was uh, at an auction and I, um, I put a bid on a multifamily project. It was about 12 units, nothing extravagant or big, and actually won the bid. Um, and, and there was a small $5,000 deposit that went into uh, actually being, being able to bid on the property. And then there was 30 days in which I had to come up with the remaining $400,000 to acquire the asset. This property was worth at least 600000 
but because it was bank-owned and at the auction, um, there's a good value price to be uh, – uh, it, was, it was a potentially really good value to, in terms of purchase price if I could come up with the 400000 Unfortunately, um, there was a contingency on the property that it, it had to be all cash. So, you know, a loan was out of the question, and in 30 days, it was going to be nearly impossible to get a loan anyway. So, you know, have this property under contract, wanted to buy it. It was an amazing property. Uh, since then, you know, I, I looked at the property uh, value recently. It's, it's nearly doubled uh, since the 2010 timeframe, but didn't have money, right? Didn't have the friends and family capital I can go to. So that 30 days to basically come up with $400,000 or lose 5000 because, you know, as the, the bitter deposit would disappear if I couldn't come up with the rest. Yep, so yep. Um, I started scrambling, you know, I, 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 and I, I realized during this process just how painful fundraising for real estate could be. Um, when I first got the winning bid, I actually uh, reached out to a couple uh, of larger investors in my network, including one of my uh, professors from Berkeley, who's my uh, professor at Berkeley Law, and uh, you know said, "Hey, do you have any thoughts or suggestions?" Hoping he would say, "Hey, I'll, 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 I'll invest." <laughs> I'll ha- I'll take all four hundred, please. <laughs> take all four hundred thousand because he's a very successful real estate developer, and he had actually sold a two thousand uh, unit entitlement project near Sacramento for about four hundred million in two thousand. 2007. So I know he had money. I was hoping he would share some of that money with me. I called him and I said, hey, uh, Bill, you know, would love uh, some suggestions. Obviously, I asked him outright, hey, can you give me the money? But, uh, you know, said, hey, I just got in contract on this property. It's uh, it's very exciting. Gave him, you know, a pro forma model and tried to pitch him uh, indirectly on this this really cool property. Unfortunately, even though he had the money, he just didn't have the time to really dig in. But, uh, you know, gave me some thoughts and suggestions uh, around what, what could work. And one of the suggestions he gave me was, uh, you know, there's a lot of these local private money lenders, hard money lenders that could get you capital within, you know, two and a half, three weeks. They're going to be pricey, but you may be able to, you know, close the deal in, in the time frame you need to. So uh, put me in touch with a couple of hard money lenders that were in, in Oakland, the Bay Area. And uh, I reached out to them, and this this was my first hard money loan ever. I'd, I'd never before received hard money and didn't really know how it worked, but started having conversations with these hard money lenders and uh, kind of told them about the property and uh, what the situation was. And, and they, they understood it. That's their business is really coming up with capital quickly, but charging an arm and a leg for it. So, um, you know, after running uh, them through the deal, uh, you know, they seemed interested um, and gave me uh, what they considered a LOI or term sheet. And uh, that's when it first hit me that hard money is very expensive capital. Um, the interest rate was in the uh, teens and there's a couple points. So it, although it would help me buy the property, it would uh, not uh, be uh, without a cost. So uh, at least but at least I had one option to, to get this property closed. And this is a property I really wanted. So with that term sheet uh, in hand, I felt a little bit more relaxed um, and decided, uh, you know, to start thinking about some more out-of-the-box, uh, you know, ways to kind of raise this money. And um, at the time, uh, you know, I was an early uh, user of LinkedIn. And um, at the time, I, I realized I had a lot of connections on LinkedIn. And, uh, you know, a lot of these connections had real estate as an interest on their uh, profiles. And so, um, you know, at the time, I um, started you know, emailing or messaging some of these, uh, you know, potential real estate investors and said, hey, you know, 
well, what's going on? We, you know, we've been connected on LinkedIn for a little bit, you know, see that you're interested in real estate. Are you buying or active in buying real estate? And actually from a, from a lot, I sent a lot of messages and a few of them actually did turn into connections that actively replied and, and said, you know, yes, I, I am. We've been connected for a little while. And you know how these social networks and, and especially LinkedIn go, and especially now, is a lot of people you're connected with you really don't know. But, uh, but in some of the, some of that was true in, the, in this case. But um, actually established a good little rapport with a handful of uh, potential candidates for uh, an, uh, investment dollars into the property. Um, none of them actually ended up investing in this specific property because, uh, unfortunately, raising money for anything isn't that quick but uh, have developed some really good relationships through those exercises that have helped in other ways, um, both with realty shares as well as with, um, with other properties that I've purchased. So, um, you know, after uh, trying that exercise and, you know, getting the hard money uh, term sheet, um, I, um, you know, was sort of quickly running out of ideas um, and the 30 days was quickly approaching. And so uh, at, at the time, I um, unfortunately, and now fortunately, because the property uh, ended up being a great property, did go with the hard money option and uh, received a loan uh, from the hard money lender, which I was then able to refinance uh, about 12 months later and, and pay back with more conventional financing. And uh, so, so the property did get uh, acquired. I did, I did get the deal done. And through those, that through that exercise of trying to raise capital and 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 trying to you know put together uh, investors for this deal. Um, and I did have enough money for the down payment piece. Unfortunately, the hard money lender was willing to go up to quite a high leverage amount. That's one of the benefits of hard money is they don't have the same leverage requirements as a bank or, 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 a, or a more uh, conventional lender. Um, so I did have to scrap together uh, some money from friends and family for the down payment, but was able to get the deal done. And, and the biggest lesson learned was, you know, raising money, whether it be for startups, whether it be for real estate, is not easy, especially when you're getting your start, especially when you, you're, you know, you're, you um you're you're not an established name in the in the game. So that's really again what kicked off the idea for Realty Shares. Um, you know, I know there's a lot of uh, developers out there and real estate um, investors that are looking to buy properties that make a lot of sense, but don't have the capital or don't don't really know how to raise the capital or don't want to go through the exercise of having to talk to a lot of investors. So um, that's what kicked off the idea. But that that uh. That's kind of how it went down. It was uh, it was quite an interesting experience, and uh, you know, opened uh, my eyes up to the inefficiencies of uh, raising capital. What type of paperwork did you have in place when you were reaching out to people? Not a lot. So I put together a um, you know uh, a, a pro forma model, basically that showed what the cash flow and IRR could look like for this property, and you know, I, I had um, uh, a high level sort of just waterfall structure that I was proposing for the investors that, that did participate in the deal. I had obviously data around the, uh, the property. I kind of put together a, a offering memorandum, basically pictures of the property, um, you know, the property data. Um, I had attached some property reports to that. Um, so just some high level information on the property as well as um, a waterfall and pro forma financial statement was essentially what I had put together for investors um, for this specific property. Did you model it after one that you'd seen before or were you just throwing things together that you thought were relevant? <laughs> I did. Uh, so, you know, I, uh, I had quite a purchase real estate in the past. So I did uh, have models that I'd constructed in the past, but I also, you know, went through when I was uh, going through uh, Berkeley Live, taking classes at, at Haas and, 
there I'd uh, learned how to put together a pro forma model and, and having sample uh, pro formas from that experience. So I kind of put together a bunch of different things I had in the past and created a model for this specific property. And that's kind of what I use with investors. Did you have to have any sort of legal documents to qualify people before you're talking to them or to, um, you know, uh, get the subscription agreement in place? Should you go into it or PPM or anything like that? Yeah, I had draft agreements. Unfortunately, it didn't get far enough where I had to use them. Uh, but I did have draft agreements, both an operating agreement because the, the proposed structure was, for this was going to be an LLC, as well as subscription docs. But um, they were sort of form docs uh, that I would present to investors so they can get a feel for the deal, but didn't actually end up using because I didn't end up uh, raising capital from third parties. Instead, went uh, the hard money route. How much did you raise from the – because you, you you said you raised a little bit from third parties, right, and the majority was hard money. How much did you raise from third parties? It was about 40000 from third parties, and some of that was my own cash, and then uh, the rest came from uh, the hard money lender. So the hard money lender in this case was able to go up to 90% of uh, the value of the property, um, which was great because that made me – I could – Put in a lot less capital, which you know was already a struggle at the, at that time, especially given the short time frame. And so the, the about forty k or ten percent of it was the money that I had raised. What did you do with the property since then? So the prop, I still own the property. Um, it was about sixty percent occupied. Uh, that's why there was a lot of value there. Um, so the first thing I did was there's some cosmetic rehab work. Um, you know, that required a little bit of capital, but I did it in a way that, you know, I thought was very cost effective for the deal. So first thing I did was kind of rehab some of the, uh, the units that were vacant to get them rentable. Um, and then uh, quickly rented up those units. You know, what, what happens when a bank owns a property is it becomes mismanaged pretty quickly because they have no incentive to, you know, really operate it like an owner would, uh, although they are the owner because they've taken them back through foreclosure. So the, fir- the first thing is really once you get an active manager there, uh, that, that actually cares about the property and knows they're going to hold it for the long term. There's a lot of like potential value to add really quickly, and that was the case here. This is a well-positioned asset, in a good sub-market, and uh, was able to get the occupancy, uh, the vacancy from you know 40% down to about 15% in uh, about a three-month period. So that obviously increased the cash flow quite dr- dr- uh, dramatically, and now the occupancy sits above 90%. Um, uh, so you know it's it's been a good property. So obviously, as the rent, uh, as the rental income increased, so did the value of the property. Um, and since then, you know it's been a really low headache, low cap, not a very capital intensive asset, multifamily. What you know essentially, unless you're trying to do a deep value add piece to it, really just you know once units turn, you you rehab them and, and you re-rent them. So you always want to keep a nice uh, stock of potential tenants, market the property well, and make sure it's operating efficiently. And so uh, uh, now, actually, I, I think I've held it long enough, and I think the value of it's increased enough where I'm looking to potentially sell it. But uh, I still do own the property, and it's been a it's been a great a great investment. So you know, for those those investors that turned it down early on or just uh, didn't weren't able to get in because of timing, I think there would have been a great uh, potential return performance for them. Well, now you're just rubbing it in. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> uh, all, every, everybody who's connected with Nav on LinkedIn, that met, that last statement was for you. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. <laughs> what what advice would you give someone who is in that situation right now where they've put down an earnest money deposit, 
They need to raise money. They haven't raised money before. What should they do? Yeah, well, first, try not to uh, put a deposit non-refundable <laughs> down unless you, you you kind of have some idea of where the money's going to come from. Uh, and I think for me, I was just so eager, and this, this, this property was so attractive that I kind of had the attitude of, you know, I'll get stuff done. Like, you know, something, if I'm challenged in a way where I, I know I, um, I'm running up against the clock, actually excites me a little bit, but it's not the way to do it if I have to do it all over again. So, you know, think think about where the capital, uh, how you're going to capitalize the project before you uh, – put money down that, that could disappear. Um, you know, two is I think raising money is really about relationships. And uh, it's, if you're really getting into the real estate game for the first time and you don't have that network of investors, um, you know, you uh, you really do have to kind of, that is a full-time job, really networking and, and getting investors uh, in your potential uh, network that could fund your deals. And then obviously convincing them that you're able to find good deals and, and fund good deals. So, you know, I think the earlier you can start with networking with investors and, uh, you know, um, the, the better it could be for when you're trying to raise capital. Obviously, having really good deals it matters. In, two, in 2010 and 11, there was a lot of good deals to be had. And it's unfortunate that uh, so much money, the capital markets were so dry in, the, in that time frame because there was so much opportunity. And now I think it's gotten a little better, but now the opportunities are are harder to find because the market's picked up so much, especially in multifamily. So, you know, obviously be careful about the property that you're, you're picking, especially if you're, you're new to the investing game. But uh, the, obviously one of the, the plugs I have to make here is the reason we created Realty Shares is to alleviate some of the pain points that come with raising and managing capital. So, you know, obviously we have a vetting process and we don't work with first time investors. So it's not going to be applicable to everybody, but, um, if you do have deal flow, you're, you're finding, you, you know the know the deal well, you know the market well, and the only trouble you're having is, is you know, raising the capital you need for the deal or at least raising part of the capital you need for the deal. That's why we created uh, Realty Shares as a way to kind of alleviate some of the pain points that come from raising capital so that you can focus more of your attention on actually finding a deal. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I would say have the money. Uh, think, you know, there's, there's definitely more innovative ways to raise capital today than there were in 2010. Uh, and I'm glad we're kind of pioneering that. And then uh, start networking really early. You know, I, my professor, although he didn't end up investing, was the reason I got the deal done. He put me in touch with a hard money lender, put in a good word, and I was able to close that within the 30-day time frame. But if I didn't have my professor who I was able to reach out to, um, you know, I would have probably not connected with that hard money lender and it would have been a deal that maybe didn't get done in a 5K down the down the down the toilet. So, I still would bet on you if you didn't get connected to the hard money lender through your professor. I still think you would have found a way to make the deal happen. I appreciate the vote of confidence. So I, I'm sure uh, maybe I would have run into you somewhere, and we could have done the deal together. <laughs> there we go. That would have been a nice in, yeah, in, in 2010, you would have found me at an advertising agency uh, working on some Microsoft campaign for their social media. Uh, so <laughs> you wouldn't want you wouldn't have wanted me to uh, participate with you. Although I, I definitely would have been able to introduce you to my friends uh, who I work with, and they might have been able to invest. The both of us together would have figured it out. Yeah, yeah. There we go. <laughs> well, Nev, this has been. This is a wonderful story. I really enjoyed, and I know the best ever listeners enjoyed hearing, hey, you got 30 days to raise $400,000. You never raised any money before. Ready? Go. <laughs> By the way, you, you lose 5000 if you don't do it. So it's just a great situation. Thank you for sharing it with myself and the best ever listeners. 
Uh, hope you have a best ever weekend, and we'll talk to you soon. And best ever listeners, guess what? Skill Set Sunday is tomorrow, so looking forward to talking tomorrow. If you're looking for a real estate brokerage that provides full service commercial and residential property management, as well as traditional brokerage services, then contact James Wise and his company, the Holton Wise Property Group. Their website is holtonwise.com. That's H-O-L-T-O-N-W-I-S-E.com. They're based out of Cleveland and they help local and out-of-state investors build and manage completely passive rental property portfolios.